Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. I'm Jenna Bernstein. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Connecticut Orthopedics. I'm Anna Cohen-Rosemum. I'm a hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University in New Orleans. And I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Corey Callendine, a hip and knee surgeon at the Bone and Joint Institute in Tennessee. So welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. This is great. So we're going to start with talking about being an orthopedic surgeon on social media. So talk to us about the different platforms that you're on and maybe also what you think the focus of each of those platforms are, like what you use them for. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that each platform should have a unique focus. And I think some are intimidated by where do you start and therefore they just don't start. And I think that's really hopefully what will come out of this is we should all be on there. But each platform does have a different focus. So when we, our practice, I mean, left Vanderbilt to join the local hospital there in an employed model, I really thought we were going to lose market share. So I said, well, you know, we should do something that accesses patients and obviously community and other surgeons. How can we do that? We do it through social because it's cheap. And so I started really on LinkedIn to connect to, you know, business to business kind of thing. And that's kind of the feel of LinkedIn. So business to business, uh, other professionals, et cetera. But then as you may or may not know, I've extended a little bit into other platforms. So Facebook is really, for me, more patient focusing and has been a good platform for me, not only locally, but nationally. There's a lot of interest. I got a report from my video guy that I'm actually the most popular orthopedic surgeon in Madagascar. So I <laughs> Congratulations. I don't, I don't know that that will serve me in any function, but it's interesting what will happen in the social media world. Instagram for me is, they, they tolerate more surgical videos. So I've been able to connect to more physicians and residents and even international physicians, which is really, really cool. Uh, there are several veterinarians from uh, Mexico that follow me. So that's been a great connection for me. But it's really about making those connections in a unique way. I would caution anyone against just putting the same stuff on all platforms because they really do serve a different function. So what do you do personally as far as what, you know, how do you decide what content to put on Instagram and how, what yeah. content to put on Facebook? Lesson one is to start. Lesson two is to figure out what your goals are. And so for me, my goals on LinkedIn or to connect professionally. And so a lot of the content there is around business or practice development, et cetera, or the newest, latest innovations, et cetera. So Instagram, like I said, is more video based. So they love the robots and the little bit of blood, they'll tolerate, <laughs> which is cool. And then TikTok, I guess I should mention that, is really more general education. So it's really more about and this is a caution for all of us surgeons, but it's, it's really more about brand awareness, right? So you're trying to kind of grow a following so that they know that you're in this space. So I would caution you a little bit about being too narrow. It's okay to share everything you know. We're all broadly trained, but certainly have a niche. And for me, that's hip and knee replacement. So when you start doing social media, mm -hmm. how do you recommend people start with everything or should they pick one and, and that based on their goal? Right. Well, don't do it like I did. So I started everything at once and then I just kind of tried to figure out like where I was successful and lean into those platforms. That is foolish and irresponsible. And I say that, but the timing for me was also unique. So we started a new practice in 2018, 2019. I was just starting to understand these platforms. And then in 2020, I don't know if y'all heard, but there was a pandemic and we did not operate for like two months. So that's really when I got super, super bored. 
and created a green screen in my house and actually have three different studios in my house, which is completely absurd. <laughs> but I had time, right? And and I just left them up. So I have a tolerant family and a tolerant wife to allow me to, to keep those up. But no, how I would recommend is one, you need to start. I think the time to say that it's going away or it's not important is behind us and you need to start. And I would start with whatever your goal is. And so as a young surgeon, I would want to access patients. And I know it's probably going to be unpopular, but I really think Facebook is the way to start. I have some 98,000 followers on Facebook now and I've never given Facebook $1. And so the opportunity is there largely because the TikTokification of social media. What I mean is people are enjoying these short vertical video content and Facebook has really encouraged people onto their platform doing that same content. So you could obviously use some content on Facebook that also marries to TikTok or Instagram. But again, I would change it to the voice that you're talking to. And for me, patient-facing Facebook is probably the place that I would start. What kind of content would be in a Facebook video that you would do that would be like patient-focused? Yeah, so general education is always good. So there's all kinds of techniques that are probably beyond this podcast that I have slowly learned over time. But if you take a popular video and you put yourself over it saying something of value, someone on the panel here, I can't remember who it was, but recently showed some video of Kris Jenner's hip replacement. So it's playing in the background and then you're adding your commentary. It's actually pretty simple. The apps themselves will do it, whether you're on Facebook or TikTok. So finding something interesting to talk about, finding an interesting visual, and then putting yourself over top, I think is the key. Yeah, I think I felt intimidated at the beginning by to just make video. And just on that point, it's not hard. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah. If I can do it, and people always want to know, am I really doing it all? I'm really doing it all. I have one guy that will occasionally cut out the green screen and drop a video behind me, but otherwise it's me. And I'm really a cheapskate and I haven't paid anything to develop this content other than buying some equipment for the house. When you're in COVID, yeah, there's a lot of time, but now you're back working, I'm sure, doing tons and tons of cases. Yeah. How do you fit it all in? Yeah, you have to develop a process. And so with regard to idea creation, I keep a little notes app on my phone. And through the day, if you're looking, there will be 100 suggestions or 100 ideas that you have during the day. Now, most of them are actually not very good. But, but if you just write them down as you say them, I don't sit and dwell and burn incense and sing Kumbaya to try to come up with ideas. Like that would fail for me. But the reality is, is your life is interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I started this first scrub where literally I'm just washing my hands and talking into TikTok Live, and it just exploded. People can't get enough. I'm like, surgeons really need clean fingernails. Everybody was mesmerized that I was talking about fingernails. So actually, your life is far more interesting than you think. But from an idea creation standpoint, I would say do not take extra time to do it. Write it down as you think about it. Figure out your best system to do that. You beautiful young people probably know much better ways. You probably just think it and it's typed or something. There's some Google AI <laughs> right. that does that in your head, which is amazing. But for me, I just use the notes app. It's super complicated. Or I'll see a video and I'll send it to myself. Oh, at some point I should do that. And then perhaps 45 minutes is all I do in content creation each week. And so that's when I use the green screen and stuff like that. So I'm probably only really dedicating 45 minutes a week. The real challenge is, and I've had some great, great uh, feedback from this, real challenge is keeping up with the comments 
And so again, that's a little bit platform dependent. So in LinkedIn, if you've ever spoken to me on LinkedIn, it's only me. And I really did think through my response. If you got a thumbs up on TikTok, it may not have been me. So I think you have to kind of manage that as well, because the reality is, is it can completely consume your life. And what you have to step away from is like, because it happens to us, right? Highly trained orthopedic surgeons. We still like want a bunch of likes, you know, like, oh, how many followers? You got to refresh the screen. <laughs> this is a temptation that you have to step away from. And I think how you insulate yourself from that is you decide how much time you want to dedicate to it. I think zero time is, again, behind us. So figure out how much time you want to dedicate to it. And over time, it will organically grow. So our practice has been talking about building a social media presence, but walking the line between patient confidentiality and how much to share, what you can share, how to do it in an appropriate way. How did you go about deciding that for yourself? Well, if you look through my content, I think you'll be challenged to ever find any patient identification at all. And so I think there's just such a huge opportunity to make sure everything is de-identified and never able to be related. If you've seen a surgical video of mine, it's from years prior, and there's nothing in that film that could ever be identified to said patient. You have to be very, very careful about patient privacy. Our practice has a form, a media release form, and it's very specific that we can use your image or your x-ray or what have you. But we've never publicly shared any name or PHI. Or I think people can get in trouble is just being a little bit careless with that, meaning the name is in the background and you're explaining an x-ray. You have to have some level of sophistication. But I think the challenge there is people say because of privacy protection, there's, it's really limited what we can do. It's completely untrue. It's completely untrue. You can take a video that you do not own that's on the internet. Again, put your voice over top of it. You have no connection to what's going on behind you. You don't know that patient and be able to deliver valuable education. You know, when we talk about goals, I like to frame it up a little bit. And other than YAG, very few people ask me to talk about social media. And that's okay with me because I don't really know what I'm doing. But I've started to understand that you're really there to educate, right? You're there to educate. You're there to inspire, which is an I word. So we're going to say encourage. So you're there to educate, you're there to encourage, and you are there to entertain, right? We're only going to look at what we find somewhat interesting. So here's the thing. If it's interesting to you, it's probably interesting to someone else. Switching to a different note, social media and TikTok in particular and Instagram have become now full-time jobs and businesses for people. It is something now that can be monetized. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've thought about doing or been approached? I think it's interesting that a lot of our industry partners would like to reach patients in an organic way. They're doing a lot more direct-to-consumer marketing. Is that something you've thought about? Has anyone ever approached you about that? Or they're not at that level yet? So I think all the industries realize now that there's this massive opportunity. I recently shared on all platforms of, uh, on LinkedIn, but I shared that I had 19.9 million views in the last seven days on TikTok. And what I did to do that is I spent zero money. So that is getting the attention of companies. Now, you asked me several questions there. One was about my role. I've never attempted to monetize social media in any way. And I don't ever want to contaminate my true authentic voice by accepting payment. But do people approach me multiple times a week for a substantial amount of money? <laughs> Certainly more than we get reimbursed for hip and knee replacement <laughs> to make a post on any 
platform of your choice. Of course, that happens all the time. But I would take great caution as an orthopedic surgeon doing that. Should industry be more involved? Yes. And although I'm not at liberty to discuss any specific company today, <laughs> many companies are looking at how they can utilize organic reach. And they're trying to figure that out. There's something you guys may or may not be aware of called the DOJ in this country. So <laughs> we're going to have to figure out how that we do it. But the companies are well aware that if you want to organically reach people, that you have to do that. But again, I just want to emphasize to the orthopedic surgeons, the young guys out there, look, I could make a ton of money in social media today by doing sponsored posts, but that would dilute my authentic voice. So I think it's up to us or orthopedic surgeons not to seek the cash. The other thing that I like to tell people is that there's a couple of accidents in social media that I think are kind of cool. So I mentioned earlier that Facebook was getting obliterated because of the TikTok vacation. So they started this program called Reels. You're mm -hmm. familiar with this, you guys know. So short vertical video content. So in May, I made $14,000 from Facebook just by video views. So Facebook just sent me a check just for being part of the conversation for your practice that wants to grow. I think there's real opportunities that these platforms are paying based on your level of interest views. One view that month got 22 million views on Facebook. And so if Facebook's going to send me, if Mark, you know, I just call him Mark. <laughs> if Mark's going to send me a check for $14,000 for May, I'm willing to accept it. But again, that is on the back end. That is because of the success of the platform. I didn't seek out money. So right now, social media is kind of like this informal conversation between surgeons. Yes. We talk about companies wanting to influence that informal conversation. And right now, there are no disclosures on social media. Mm -hmm. If you were paid by a company, you don't have to disclose that at all. How right. long do you think that's going to be like that before we really start regulating the posts? Because you, as a as a influential person on social media and orthopedics, you do have the potential to change someone's mind about an implant. Well, I, I think the reality is, is if you are paid for a post, it is upon you, the orthopedic surgeon, to disclose that. So, Have you ever seen a disclosure? <laughs> I've never seen one yet. I have. have. Okay. I have seen a disclosure on LinkedIn for this post is sponsored by said company. Now, here's the fine line. So if it's sponsored, the companies are going to want input on what's on the post. And I've gone down this path with a couple of the the big four that we might say, let me speak generically. <laughs> and so they want input on it. And that's why I've kind of stepped away from that because I want to control my own voice. And I think that's the opportunity for us on social media. But just to be clear, I think if a company has sponsored you in order to list a post, I really don't think it's up to the company or the DOJ to babysit that. I think that's up to us and our societies to do that. So anything you've seen from me, right? So. Probably everybody knows that I favor one of the robotic platforms that is currently available. It just so happens to be my practice. And so I'm just sharing my practice. And I have gotten calls from certain companies about, well, if we had put up that post on robotics or pick any discipline, we really wouldn't have said it that way. And I have just expressed, I really don't care. <laughs> because again, we're trying to preserve the authentic voice. And to be honest, that's why we orthopedic surgeons are going to be successful is because it is truly organic. We can't all agree on everything. And you know what? that's okay. And so I think as industry begins to get into social media, there will be this non-organic play that has been used in other disciplines. But I think we have to be really careful with that as far as our role in it. 
Well, I just want to know, like, so I think uh, social media in the medical space is going to become a wasteland in the next five, 10 years where you do have, you know, it becomes ethically murky, where if you do have a guy that gets $2 million from one of the big four for other for other things, but now he just happens to post nice x-rays that use their implants on a regular basis. Um, And so I look at that. So right now, and I use this example last week, I was giving a talk on social media, not that I with all of my 500 followers on this guy made a <laughs> this guy made a post about a difficult case. I said, you know, what can we learn from this? We learn he's a good surgeon. We learn that he takes on tough things. We also learn what kind of implants he uses. And so when I see that, I, you know, subconsciously I go, okay, he's a good surgeon. He uses this and it moves that needle a little bit. And so these conversations on social media right now are very informal and they have the power to change minds about things. So there's money that can be made there. And how long is it going to be before that gets just the sewer of this post has been unofficially sponsored by one of the big four to move the needle and the power in it is you don't have to come to a meeting to get opinions from other people across the country internationally. Like I can make a post if I want to expose surgeons to something. I don't have to spend $125,000 on a conference or on a seminar and to reach 10 people. I can pay a surgeon $100,000 and he can reach 500 surgeons instantly with a seemingly unbiased post. And that has power. How long do we have this power without responsibility? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good question. I think the responsibility is still on the orthopedic surgeons. I really do not think the responsibility is on the companies because they're obviously going to try to seek out where the attention is. And I think it's up to us to preserve our authentic voice. I think the reality is, is people will sell out right? They will sell out. And actually that doesn't bother me as this will permeate into social media. I think we'll be able to find the people that are not authentic pretty quickly, but you're right. How many people are here? This is by far our most successful meeting, right? And we got what, three, 4,000 people here. You know, the reality is, is I can send a text today that, that touches a million people, right? And so there's obviously impact to that. I think at some point there will have to be some kind of regulation, but I think ultimately our conversation right now should be around what is our responsibility. I will just say one last thing. So, you know, my use of social media has been a little bit different than yours looking at your TikToks. I kind of started it as a way for some more visualization for women in orthopedics because I think that For me, the comments that I've had from young medical students and people interested in going into medicine saying, oh, this is awesome, this is a safe space. But I also, because I think I've put a little bit more of my personal self out there and some opinions, I've had a lot more negative comments. I don't know if you get those too, because I clearly am not reading all of your negative comments. How do you deal with that? Are you, you know, I'm just not responding, but part of me is worried. I'm a doctor. I want people to respect me. I want to have a good um, reputation in the community. That is something I've been challenged with, with balancing. And sometimes I find myself not wanting to post things because I think that they're controversial. And if you were someone regular, that would just get you more followers. Great. But as a doctor, you're, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's all about your motivation. I love your motivation of, I have a platform that we need to get more women supported and engaged in what we're trying to accomplish. I think you can lean heavy on your goals and I think it's beautiful. But where will there be haters? Of course. And it's always, it's like user 9682. <laughs> Four, one, like, you, you know, I mean, there's always going to be haters. Actually, 
I didn't know I had TikTok, just to be honest. Uh, my video guy actually pulled down a video I did on YouTube and put it up on TikTok because he, he claims he was afraid that someone would take my username. So apparently a lot of people are going to go to Corey Calendine MD and take that TikTok name. Anyway, it's a video where I have a branded helmet. We won't mention the name. And I'm walking down the hallway and I say, hey, have you ever wondered why you have to get to the hospital so early in the morning? This is an important question for everybody, right? Have you ever wondered why? Well, the first thing I say is we have to check your insurance. That's the first thing I said. I went on to say we have to check your vitals and see what medicines you're taking and yada, yada. I, I in a second and a half said insurance, but I said it first. I got obliterated. This guy only cares about money. This guy only cares about insurance. My protection against that is it just so happens to not be true. But it's true that my guy called me. He's like, hey, man, your TikTok's really blowing up. That post got a million views because it made a connection and it was controversial. It, look, I could have gotten offended. I could have said, oh, they're saying this about me and that's not true. And we all work for money. My approach was very different. My approach was, man, what a beautiful conversation, a international conversation around insurance and healthcare because none of us have the solutions. So again, as long as you're founded on your principles, I think you'll be fine. But will there be haters? Of course. That's Do you okay. respond to them or you just kind of let other people have the conversation and you just sit back? Yeah, I mean, I respond if I can help them in some way, right? It really is my intent to help. And so if somebody says, all this guy cares about is insurance, I'm probably going to leave that guy alone. If somebody says, um, what, why did you say insurance first? I might respond with, it's a great question. It's because the hospital controls the process and they literally don't let you see me until they've checked the insurance. And they're like, oh, he wasn't talking about insurance for him. He was talking about insurance for the the stay, the hospital visit. And so I think it's fine to respond. I think what you have to be careful of is make sure you're not responding out of your own hurt or emotions, but instead trying to help. We are on these platforms to help. That's my only reason. Most of these people that I interact with, I'll never meet. Most of these people, I'll never replace their hip or knee. And that's okay. That's not why I'm there. I'm there to help, right? I'm there to, to do the, the triple E, right? Educate, entertain, sure, but also encourage. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.